Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Ever felt so unworthy of all his blessings, so undeserving, you don't understand why God would be so kind. If you can't relate to that this morning, you've got a wrong picture of yourself. Amen? Because I'll just tell you, I don't understand why God is so good to me. Every time I think about, amen, every time I think about the blessings of God, I think, God, why in the world would you pick me to be so good to? Amen? I mean, God has just been so very good. And uh, you say, well, you know, I've had a lot of hard times. So well, let me ask you a question. Has God been better to you than you deserve? Bible tells me he has exacted of me less than my iniquity deserves. People want to talk about being fair. I'm glad God's not been real fair with me. Amen. I mean, he has been, he has been so extra lenient with me. He's been more lenient with me than I would be. Amen. He's put up with a whole lot more from me than I would from someone else. Can you say amen? I mean, God has just been especially kind to me. And this morning, let me, let me encourage you, don't ever get to the place that you start thinking, well, I deserve more. Amen? I deserve better. I'm entitled to something. I, I, I'm not entitled to anything this morning. If I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell. Amen? I, I wouldn't have a family. I wouldn't have uh, the wife that God has given me now for 12 years, uh, two children and another one on the way, just all the many blessings He's poured out on my life. Amen? I wouldn't have any of those things if it wasn't for God. He's just been so very good to me. And I want to praise him for that this morning. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12. We're going to go here again this morning. We're talking uh, about the will of God. We have been now for, I guess this will be the third week that we've looked at these verses and, and, and some others. And we're, we're trying to get an understanding about the will of God. We're, we're trying to get an understanding from God's word about what that really is. Last couple of weeks, we've looked at a few things. We looked at the calling of God a couple weeks back, about how that God will call our name sometimes. Amen. And He will request us to do something specific. And when He does, uh, for example, in an invitation, when He calls you to the altar, or when you're out and about in your day and God speaks to your heart and says that person at the gas station or at work, or speak to them and ask them to come to church or give them a gospel track, or the Lord may speak to you and tell you He wants you to do something specifically in your life. He wants you to make a change or to, to do something or go to some place. And that when He calls our name... We need to have a sudden and sensitive response to that calling. Amen. That when we hear the voice of the Lord, that we would answer just as Samuel did. Yes, Lord, hear am I, I, I thy servant heareth. That, that's how we need to respond. And we need to be sensitive to when he speaks to us. And we need to immediately do what he asks. Amen. We talked about that a couple weeks back. Last week, we looked at the course of God and how that God is not making his will some great mystery that we need to go out into the world and search for and and just you know, be a monk and live on a hill somewhere in some reclu recluse place and just, just, just be alone and just wait to hear a voice from heaven. That's not what the will of God is. The will of God, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, that we can 
understand what the will of the Lord is. And then in the Bible, it's His will that we are to walk in the Spirit, right? We looked at that in, in Galatians chapter 5 last week, how that He wants us to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that that's His will for us, amen, that we are reading His Bible and studying it, that we're praying and all those things, and that we are walking in the, if you will, the, the general will of God. I've said this many times in these last couple of weeks, and I'll, I'll say it again today. Don't expect God to drop His perfect and divine and personal will in your life or some great revelation when you're not willing to honor His will in the small and simple and general things in your life. Amen. God wants to see someone who will walk in His way, and then if they're walking in His way, He will shine that light and lead them into His will. Amen. Uh, as, as Pastor Lee Davis said, the will of God is not something you find, it's something you live in. You are in the will of God or you are outside of the will of God. And if you are in the will of God, then God is leading you, God is guiding you, and you are walking in the Spirit. But if you're outside of the will of God, sometimes God might be patient with us, but we're not right with God when we're outside of His will. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There in verse number 2, he gives us two opposing ideas. Uh, that oftentimes the world is trying to conflate into the same thing. They say that if we want to be right with God, we need to bring the world and God together. But Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, but instead be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that transformation is to make us like Christ. He's Amen. Y'all see that, right? He's given us two opposing ideas. One is to conform your life to the image of the world, and the other is to transform your life into the image of Christ. That we are to live as He lives. We are to uh, have the same mind that Christ has. They are opposing ideas. Now, modern religion would tell you that you can have it both ways, but Paul is clearly telling us that you cannot. Last Sunday we talked about how that the flesh and the Spirit, they are at enmity one with another. They are enemies. That the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are opposing. Amen. Are y'all still with me? Be not conformed. That word conform means to comply with the world's set of rules and standards and their ways. It is to, to, to comply with their way of doing things. And here's what Paul said. If you're going to be transformed into the image of Christ and you're going to uh, transform yourself by the renewing of your mind and live in the will of God, you will not be in compliance with the way the world wants to do things. You will be separate and you will be peculiar. I mean, I think we can agree with that, can we not? That to be in God's will is never going to please the world. You cannot please both the world and God, because the world is against God, and the flesh is enmity against God, and the carnal mind is enmity against God. And we're talking about living in God's will, and we've looked at that, that course of God and how that He has laid out this simple plan for everyone to live in His will. And we've looked at that calling of God, how that He will call on you specifically from time to time, and He wants you to answer, and that we need to, be, we need to make ourselves accustomed to when you're hearing that voice of God coming and calling in your name, 
or that tug at your heart that you immediately get up and go and respond. Amen? You ever hollered for one of your children to come here and then you wait? There's no movement? Peyton, come here. I don't hear anything. And I sit there and I... Now! And then, then there's movement. What we need is we need... God wants us to not wait for the aggressive now. When He calls our name, He wants us to get up and go, right? God doesn't want... And here's the thing, if you're walking in the course of God and you're... You're walking with God and you're walking in the Spirit and you're living for God, it's a whole lot easier to answer that call, isn't it? When you know you're good with God, then you don't get so concerned when He calls your name. Now, if your child is in there and they're doing something they know they're not supposed to do, and they hear their name called, they might think, oh no, maybe I should run, right? That's not how we need to be with God. If we are, if we are in the right place concerning the course of God and we are walking in His will, then it is easier for us to answer His call. Amen. That's just common sense. It just makes good, rational... You know, what's, you know what's interesting about the Bible? It's usually pretty commonsensical. It's pretty rational. And that's the way the will of God is. This morning, I, I want to look at that thing, though, when we consider the will of God, and often when people talk about the will of God, when people talk about the will of God in their life, they're not usually talking about reading their Bible and praying. They're not usually talking about being a witness and going to church faithfully and those things. They're talking about this big thing, right? That's what they're, ta they're talking about, this big vision. What is the will of God for my life? The, this morning we'll call that the choice of God. What has God got picked out specifically for me? What is that thing He wants me to do? Who is that woman He wants me to marry or that husband He wants to give? What is God's will for my life? Where does He want me to live and where does He want me to go to church? And what is that choice that God has specifically chosen for me? That's often what we consider when we think of the will of God. Ephesians chapter 5, this morning, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, read some verses here real quickly. Uh, there's some verses here I want to point out to you. In Ephesians chapter 5, we have uh, referenced verse number 17 quite a bit through these messages. We'll read a few of these. In verse number 8, I want to read down from Ephesians 5 and verse 8 down through verse 17 quickly. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye, the, are, ye the, are ye light, excuse me, now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. There that is again. Paul is saying, just like he did in Galatians chapter 5, there was a time when you were in darkness. When you were a child of darkness, you were sometimes darkness, you were ungodly, you were lost without God. But now you've been saved, and since you've been saved, ye are light in the Lord, and since you are, if you've been saved, you are light. That's what he said. Not you can be light, but you are light. If you're saved, now you are light in the Lord, that the Lord's in you, me in Christ, and Christ in, in, in me, right? And since we are, we should walk as children of light. That tells us just because someone is saved doesn't mean they're going to walk as a child of light. Amen? You can rebel against God, and you can try to walk back in darkness even though there is light inside of you. Verse 9 for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now that tells us there are some things that are acceptable unto the Lord, and there are some things that are not acceptable unto the Lord. It's good common sense, isn't it? Darkness is unacceptable to God, and light is acceptable. Amen. Walking in truth and in the Spirit is acceptable. Walking in the flesh and having a carnal mind and committing sins of the flesh, that is unacceptable unto God. 
Just we looked last week in Galatians 5. He said, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What he said, verse number 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now that means reprove them not just in others, which some of us are real quick to do, but to reprove them in yourselves as well. Amen. That when you see those unfruitful works of darkness in your flesh that you're, you're tempted to do, or maybe you have, you've even sinned, that you should reprove them and say, no, no more, and repent. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Verse uh, number 12, verse 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whosoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That means you need to look where you're going. Amen. So uh, sometimes when we're walking and we're, we're looking at those temptations and those things, all we're looking at is that next step. Amen. Well, I, you know, it, it's like someone following corn to a trail on a trail that's leading to a trap, right? Planting bait. It's like planting pieces of candy down for a child to go and pick up. The only thing they're worried about is that next piece of candy. They're not worried about what's waiting at the end of the line. And that's exactly how those unfruitful works of the flesh are. And the Bible said we should walk circumspectly. That means looking around where you're going. Don't just look at your feet and go, oh, I want, I want that, and I'll go here, and oh, I want that, and I'll go there. But look around you and, dis and, and discern the path that you're on is leading to a certain destination. Is the path that you're on the path that God has laid out for you and you're walking in the Spirit and you are acceptable unto God in your life or are you walking only to that next little thing that you want and that next little thing that you want with no concern for what is waiting at the end of that path for you? Walk circumspectly, not as fools who don't look and realize the sound of the waterfall they're about to walk over. They don't look ahead and see the snare that is laid in the shrub and in the bush up ahead that's waiting for them. But they're walking around as fools. Ah, oh, nothing, it'll all be fine. Everything will work out in the wash. Don't walk like that, he said. Walk circumspectly. Open your eyes and look around you and walk as wise, not as fools. Verse 16, he says this, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know what that tells me? We can understand what the will of God is. The will of God is not some great shrouded mystery. It is something you can understand. It's something you can have a grasp of in your life, and you can know that you are in the will of God. First, I want you to see God's choice requires perseverance. And let me hurry. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7 says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, capital S, Spirit, shall of the, capital S, Spirit, reap life everlasting. Verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. God's choice in your life. You say, Brother Paul, I, I want God's will for my life, and I, I, I want to read my Bible, I want to pray, I, I want to be faithful to God, I want to, I want to defeat sin in my life, and I want to be faithful to church, and I want to do all those things, but, but I, I just need to know what God's will is for my life. I, 
I, I, like I said, may, maybe you're looking for that job that you, you're just not satisfied where you're at and you don't believe it's what God wants and you're looking for God to do some great thing in your career. You're looking for God to, to send you a husband or a wife or to give you children or, or to show you some great, what is God's will in the church? What does God want me to do? Does He want me to teach a Sunday school? Does God want me to be a preacher? Does God want me to do this? What does God have for me in my life? What is His great design? Because I believe God has a will for every life. No life is wasted in the plan of God. God has a role. And, and, and by the way, it is He who sets the members in the body. The Bible says, as it please Him. He's the one that chooses. He's the one that makes that choice. And you say, well, how do I find out what that choice is for me? Well, we know that the first thing you need to do is you need to walk in the path, the course of God. And you need to persevere within that path. It said this, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. It says this, if we faint not. How am I going to get to that place and find that choice of God in my life? By not fainting. In your walk with God, you can't faint. He said, let us not be weary in well-doing. That means when you're doing well, don't stop doing well. When you're doing well and you're feeling the pressure of the world, you're feeling the the pressure of a spiritual battle in your heart and the devil is, is tempting you all. You're wasting your time. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares if you're there. Brother so-and-so didn't talk to you. Brother sister so-and-so sister didn't say anything. Nobody cares. Don't, don't listen to that voice. Just keep doing well. Don't listen to that voice that would desire nothing more than to pull you out and to break you down and to get you out. What, that is nothing more or less than the devil who is trying to defeat you in your own heart. And here's what Paul said. Don't be weary in well-doing. Just keep going. You've got to persevere when things get heavy and things get hard. You've got to persevere in your walk with God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says this, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing we may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You know what Peter said? He said there are foolish men and women out there who they're looking at you and here's what they're saying. And why do you waste your time going down to the church house on Sunday? Don't you got anything better to do to go down there to that church and listen to that preacher get up and yell at you for an hour? Don't you have anything better to do? Couldn't you go down to the lake or couldn't you make more money? Amen. Couldn't you, couldn't you be down here doing this or spend? Don't listen to them. They're foolish men. And what they don't understand is you're fulfilling the will of God in your life. And if we will, we will fulfill the will of God by doing well. I said that. Ye may put to silence by well-doing those foolish men. That if we will continue in well-doing, there will come a point when they won't have anything to say. They may be railing on you now, but in the end they'll say you wasted your time. But when it all comes out in the wash, everything will be made clear. That God is blessing your home and blessing your life and that theirs is not seeing those same results. That's the way that God works. God does not work on our time. That's a difficult thing. God is not like the drive-thru at McDonald's, or at least the way it used to be. Quick. We need to walk in God with our pondering of His Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God. You want God's approval in your life? You want to know that you're in His will? Then you're in His Word. If you're not in His Word, then you're not in His will. How do you show yourself approved to God? By studying His Bible. It could not be clearer. Study, why? To show thyself approved unto God, 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means, well, I want to work for God, and I want to do a work for God, and I want to be a part of the church, and I want to do something for God. Better start studying your Bible. Because that is the first step to being approved by God as a workman. You want God to use you? Study His Word. Amen. I'm so glad you're here this morning. Amen. I'm so glad you're in church this morning. If you're in Sunday school, thank God that you're in Sunday school. But can I tell you, you need what's being presented right here. You need it, but this ain't enough. You need more Bible than Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You need more study. You need study in your own life. You don't got to be a preacher, a pastor, or a teacher to open your Bible and read it and study the Word of God. You want God's approval in your walk with God? You get it by pondering His Word. You get it by praying without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. You get it by living in purity, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you've received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God. There is a movement today in modern religion uh, that would say that your walk in no way affects whether God is pleased with you. But this verse right here firmly disagrees with that when it says that we're teaching you how that your walk ought to please God and that you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. Now, we know that when you get saved, you become sanctified. Amen. Cleansed and washed and the righteousness of God imputed to you and that that firmly places your slot in heaven. Amen. You become a new creature. But did you know that your sanctification is reflected in your walk? According to this verse right here, we should know how to possess our vessel. Say, what's that? Our body. What did Paul say in Romans 12, 1? Romans 12, 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies. That's telling us very simply, we walk in the way of God and we please God and persevere in His walk by living a pure and sanctified lifestyle. Yes, I am sanctified and cleansed before God and the blood has washed away my sins, but if I want the approval of God in my life, I must walk in a way that shows sanctification and honor in my body. I must honor God by living holy as God is holy. Amen. We, we are persevering in our walk with God and in the work of God. Hebrews 6, 9, verse 10 says this, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you show toward His name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He said this, our desire for you is that you would do the work of God, and if you'll do the work of God, he said, and not be slothful, but put your hands to the work, God will not forget your work and labor of love. So he said that if you're working for God, you're in the will of God. You say, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, there's some things that every single human on earth is commanded to do if they have been saved. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is the great commission that every soul is given a command that we should be about the spreading of the gospel. Amen. Now, not everybody's a preacher, but anybody can hand out a gospel track. Anybody can invite someone to church. Anybody can talk to someone at work or a friend or a family member and say, have you ever been saved? Anybody can do that. In fact, we're commanded to do so. Here's what Peter said. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, 
Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And listen, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So what does that mean? It means this. Every time that God opens a door for you to share the gospel or to tell somebody else why you've got hope, do it. And not only that, but he said this, be ready. Amen. You ought to know how to tell somebody else how to be saved. You say, well, well, I'm not sure I know how to do that. Just about any gospel tract can teach you. And if you need more help than that, I'll be glad to sit down with you, walk you through, show you a few verses. Just if, if God opens the door, that you can walk through it. Now, not every time you spoke, speak to a person are you going to have an opportunity to present to them the gospel plan of salvation, but you can invite anybody to church. Amen? But when God does, He said, if any man asks you, you see that? God opens the door, somebody says, well, how can you know? Somebody ever asked, how can you know that you're saved? You know what that is? A golden opportunity. God has opened a door in your life, and it is now your opportunity to share the gospel with someone who is genuinely interested. If we're not ready to give an answer in that moment, then we're not ready in the work of God. We're not persevering in what God has called us to do. Let me move on. We need to persevere through the weariness of the world. We read in our, our text there in, in Galatians chapter 6, how that we ought not be weary in well-doing. Paul said it again in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, but ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. 2 Corinthians 4 said, which cause we faint not. That we're not to faint. We're not to give up. We're not to quit. We have to keep going because here's the thing. Sometimes it's hard to just keep doing right. Sometimes you get tired. If all the devil's got to do to knock you out is make you tired and sleepy and weak, his job is easy. I used to have a boy back in the day in teen Sunday school class, and he, his parents, they drove almost an hour to come to church. And every single Sunday morning, he sat on the front row in the Sunday school class like this. And I mean, about to fall out of the chair, just, I, I mean, just eyes rolling back, literally just white's all I could see. And sometimes I'd just pause and look at him and just sit there. And he's fighting everything he could to stay awake, and I would be like, Hey, I'd yell at him and jump. I'd say, go put some water on your face. You know, do something. Go. And I, I tell those young people, if all God's ever got, if all the devil, excuse me, has ever got to do to keep you from getting what God wants to get you is make you tired, his job is easy. Y'all ever feel sleepy and tired? But don't be weary and well-doing. Just because you get tired. You know what it means to persevere? It means when you get tired and it gets hard, you've got to grit down and just keep doing it. And I don't feel like reading my Bible today. I do not feel like it. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it anyway. I do not feel like praying. I do not feel spiritual. I've had a rough day at work. I've had a rough day at home. I've had, a, I've had this. I've had that. I've got struggles and trials. I just don't feel like it. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to persevere. And I, Man, I may not do a lick of good. And I may feel like my prayers aren't getting above the ceiling. But I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to get down and I'm going to pray, God, help me. And I'm going to be faithful to prayer. I'm tired, I'm wore out, it's been a terrible week at work, it's been raining every day, it's been hot, it's been whatever, but it's Sunday morning, I, I'm just, I'm going to go to church. I, I don't want to, gas is expensive, I'm tired, but I'm just going to do it anyway because I'm going to persevere and push on and I'm going to do better and I'm going to do more. Why? Because I want what God has for me. I want what God has for me. God, I, I don't want God to give something to somebody else that He wanted to give to me because I wasn't there to get it. If you recall in that first message, I told you the greatest ability we can have is availability. 
That comes by persevering and being there, doing what needs to be done because this is the will of God concerning you. Amen? Amen? We see not only the perseverance, that God's choice requires perseverance, but this is really what I want to focus on today. It'll be done shortly. God's choice requires patience. Well, Paul, I, I want some of y'all that may be looking for a, a husband or a wife. I, I want that will of God in my life. You might be looking for that career. God, what is that thing? What's that job I need? What's that, what, is that, what is that thing, that, that thing God wants me to do in, in ministry or in the church? What is that will of God in my life? Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I have gone to my knees and said, God, will you please Give me this thing. I, I believe this is your will. I believe it's what you want me to do. I feel the, I feel you. Have you ever felt God leads you to do something and then just not open the door for it to happen? You try and it's just, it's just not working. Sometimes we're looking for the will of God, but here's what Paul said. He said, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That means right now we should be doing well. But there is a time coming that if we are, we are sowing what is good to the Spirit, that we will reap what is good, which is the Spirit, and which is life everlasting, which is the will of God for us. That if we're doing what's right and living right for God, there's a time coming up there when we will finally see realized that thing that we want from God and that we believe God has for us that we will finally reap it. But we don't know how long that season's going to last. Let me speak to you about the seasons of God's timing. Hebrews 10.35 says this, cast not, therefore, cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that after, listen, after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. After you've done the will of God. After you've studied, prayed, been faithful to church, and faithful to be a witness, and doing the work, that you are right now in well-doing. That if you are in well-doing, that after the well-doing, then you might receive what? The promise. The promise of that great, personal thing in your life, that thing you're seeking for, whatever that promise of God is that you're asking for, looking for in your life, you want to receive that, then you're going to have to fulfill the will of God in your life now that you might receive the promise of God later. Talking about the seasons of God's timing. Ecclesiastes 3.1 tells us, we know you've often heard it, I'm sure, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for this church. God has a purpose for me, a purpose for you, a purpose for my children. God doesn't do anything haphazardly. He has a plan. His purpose, though, is fulfilled in His time. That's hard, isn't it? We think about the will of God and we think about that thing that God has for us. That job, that husband, that wife, that position, that, that ministry, that... That, that home, whatever it may be. But we don't think about the time that God has for it. Think about David. Young man, shepherd in his father's house. You know what he was doing? He was doing well. He was in his father's house, serving his father faithfully. The great 
prophet Samuel comes to their house and they call a big meeting of all the sons and where's David? David's exactly where his father told him to be. And until his father told him he could leave the fields where he was watching the sheep and come to the big meeting, he did not come. His brothers accused him of being naughty when he went down to check on the battle there when they were all supposed to be facing against Goliath, but David was far from it. David was an obedient son. He didn't even go down to the battle where you better believe he wanted to be until his father said, take this food and go down there. Take this and go down there. He didn't go until then. So here you got David doing well. And then the prophet shows up on his house right on the doorstep, looks at all his brethren, and God says, no, it's none of these, even the big tall ones who are a lot like Saul. He said, there's one more. He's tending to the sheep. He said, go get him. Here comes David. Most people say probably around 15 years old. And the prophet Samuel takes the oil and anoints him as king over Israel. You know what happened in that moment? David found out what the thing was God had for him. Do you know how long it was before he became king? Around 15 years. During that time, not, now, during that, now some things started happening. God started using him, used him to play that harp and dispel the evil spirit. Used him to slay Goliath and rescue Israel. Used him to defeat thousands and thousands, ten thousands. And then, he's running for his life, hiding in caves, looking over his shoulder, wondering who he can trust. And for a decade at least, God doesn't seem to be making his situation not one bit better. David knew what the will of God was. Did he not? I mean, the prophet Samuel stood in his front yard, took the oil, and anointed him as the future king of Israel. He knows what God's will is in his life. But there is a season to the will of God. There is a time for the will of God. Let me ask you this. What would have happened if David had taken into his own hand the timing of God's will? There was a time when he stood over the body of Saul and he cut off a piece of his skirt in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And he did that just to show Saul, I could have slain you if I wanted to. And the moment he had cut that piece off of his clothing, the Lord struck his heart. And he said, who am I to touch and raise my hand against God's anointed? He was God's anointed. Samuel was possessed with a devil. I'm sorry, excuse me. Saul was possessed with a devil leading Israel into a pit trying to kill his own son at times, a crazy man. Here's David, a faithful man after God's own heart, knows that it is God's will for him to be king, and if he had taken a sword and had slain Saul, they would have all bowed to him and he, in his mind. I know what God's will, my God, God's will is for me to be here. Why doesn't this guy get out of my way? Because God's will is not just a thing he has for you. It's the right time as well. And that's the hard part. God has a will for you. God has a will for this church. He's got a will for your home. He's got a will for your future, for your marriage, for your job. Sometimes God will tell us what it is and when the door opens, and man, it's great. Other times, He wants us to wait. And I'll tell you what He's doing while you're waiting. He's watching you. You better believe that if David had just rebelled and turned, God would have said, well, time to find somebody else. God, he's done it before. You know what he told David and Solomon? And 
If y'all will keep me as your God and will not go after other gods, I will establish your throne forever. But guess what? They didn't keep up their end of the bargain. and He did not keep their children on the throne. That's just the way it is. God's will has a time to it. It's not just something in your life. It is a timing that He has for us. The Bible tells us very plainly in Psalms 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Again, in Psalms 37, 34, wait on the Lord and keep His way. Do you see that? Wait on the Lord and keep His way, and He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. That tells us there was a land, there was a will that God had for them, and He wanted to give it to them, and He was saying this, you need to wait. While you're waiting, you need to keep my way. You see the season of God's timing. There is a, there's plenty of things I'd love to see God do in my life. Plenty of things I'd love to see God do in this church. Visions and goals and things I have in mind. But there are some of those things that we can try and we should be trying. We should go out and witness and invite people to church and, and pray and ask God to give the increase. But guess what? It's going to have to be God that gives the increase. And until God gives the increase, we have got to wait and keep the way of the Lord. Amen? We have got to be faithful and not faint and keep going and keep praying. And God, when it is time, will fulfill His promise. The seasons of God's timing, that suspense of God's timing of waiting like David did. Brother Andrew Decker was recently preaching on, on perseverance. I heard him and he made this statement. He said, God's timing is always right, but it's not always right away. Say, so, well, you know what? If, if, I, if that's how long it's going to take, I'm not interested. But hold on. What he's got is better than anything else you could ever have. God's will, His, His choice, it, it requires perseverance and it requires patience. And sometimes we see not only the seasons of God's timing and the suspense, but we see the struggle. It is hard. It's hard sometimes to just wait, isn't it? I don't know how many young people I've seen wind up in a broken marriage because they were not willing to wait for God's will. I've seen young ladies marry the first saved meathead who would come along and marry them. And I've seen young guys run off and marry the first girl who bat her eyes at him without a second's thought about, well, is this truly God's will for my life? I've seen people take the first good job that comes along and never spend a moment in prayer. Swap churches at a moment's notice because something happened they didn't like and never take a second to really pray and ask God, is this what you want for me? If we're living in God's way, and we need to sometimes step back and wait and be patient and ask God, God, don't, don't do anything suddenly until God makes it clear that's what He wants you to do. God's will is not circumstantial. God is not a circumstantial God. God's will is divine. It's planned. And it's laid out. I want you to see this. We'll be done. God's will, not only does it require perseverance, and it requires... Patience, but God's choice is paramount. It's the biggest and best thing for your life. There is nothing better than God's will. Even when it's hard. And can I tell you, sometimes it's hard. Being in the ministry, 
is hard. Sometimes being faithful to church is hard. Being faithful to prayer and Bible reading is hard. Sometimes being a witness is hard. Sometimes just obeying God when He tells you what to do and God tries to, He goes to start mixing things up in your life. Sometimes it's hard. But trust me when I tell you that whatever His will is for you, it's the best possible outcome for your life. He has your best interests at heart. He loves you. All things work together for good for us who are the called according to His purpose, right? Who love His appearing. That's us. We are the ones. And and if we will just stay faithful to God, even if the world might look on and say, man, they're crazy. Trust me when I tell you, it is the best possible thing for you. It's the greatest and best and biggest thing that there is in your life. Jesus said in Mark 3.35, Whosoever shall do the will of God the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. There is nothing like being close to the Savior. And you know who's close to the Savior? Those who do the will of His Father. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be done right here. I want to show you an example. Say, Brother Paul, I, I don't know. I've got some things in my life I'd like to do. I've got some goals, some stuff I'd like to see. Look at Ephesians 6 and verse 5. Paul says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Who's he talking to? He's talking to servants. He's talking to slaves who have masters. See that? What's he telling them to do? Be obedient. To who? Your masters according to the flesh. Those men and women that you're serving, you need to obey them. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. In this text, Paul's speaking to servants. He's speaking to those who serve men under the bond of ownership as a slave or some other commitment such as under the law. There were times when men were forced to serve others because of a commitment or a debt. And and, and always, it it was never a great situation. None of them ever wanted to be servants. They were thrust into this because of the path their life had taken. And then here comes Paul. You know what he starts doing? He starts preaching the gospel. Masters start getting saved. Servants start getting saved. And he says this, you're neither bond nor free in Christ. That we're all one under God and God's no respect of persons. You know what happens? All these servants go, well, they're they're definitely going to let us free, right? We're brothers. There's no longer servant and master, but but we're brothers. And you know what happened? They didn't let them go. They told them they have to still fulfill their oath and they still have to fulfill their, their requirement. And here's these servants thinking, how's this work? How is this right? If we're brothers in Christ, how is this right? And here's what Paul said. Paul said, when you serve them, you're not serving them, you're serving Christ, as is the will of God for you. You think that was easy for them to hear? Now, as far as I know, looking out here today, none of us are in a situation quite like that. Are we? No. But here's what he said. He said, you need to serve them not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. In other words, it is God's will for them to complete their service as to the Lord and not unto men, which is what he said in verse 7. Can we agree that sounds difficult? 
Can we all agree that sounds hard? That sounds like a real challenge, a hard task, possibly not what they wanted to hear. He's writing to save servants and save masters, and God's no respect to persons, and surely they would not have to continue, and yet God has not intervened on their behalf and set them free. To the unsaved, that seems harsh. And even to the saved, when we listen, we might think in our flesh, that sounds harsh. It might seem unfair or uncaring, but verse 8 gives us some insight. Knowing, look at this, that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. In other words, the best life for these servants is serving God, whether it be bond or free. So how could Paul write that? That's coming from the man who wrote epistles from prison. You know what he said? Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He said, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He didn't say the prisoner of Rome. He said the prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know what Paul said? I'm in the will of God. And right now, the will of God for me is that I endure some suffering. But I'd rather suffer in the will of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He said, even when things are hard and things are tough and I'm having to wait on God and I'm begging God to do something and I'm saying, God, why are you not doing this thing? I don't understand. Why am I enduring this difficulty? Why am I going through this hard time that I must take comfort in this? That if I will stay faithful to God, if I will walk in His way, if I will trust His Word, if I will keep going and stay faithful and be patient and wait on the Lord, God will observe my well-doing. And down the road, He will do good again to me. Whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. I'd rather have God be good to me than all men. This is the choice of God. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know. I hope that you're walking with the Lord. I hope that you are fulfilling God's will for your life and your personal life. I hope that you are, that you are uh, producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life and that you are not performing the works of the flesh. I hope that's true for you. But I don't know this morning what God's divine personal choice is for you. Young people, I, I don't know what God's plan is for you, but I know God has a plan. Brother Tim, your, your grandchildren, my children, all these others, Brother Marty, y'all's kids, and Travis, all, your, all the young ones in here today, I, I don't know what God's will is for them, but I can tell you this, whatever God's will is for them is way better than anything else this world has to offer. Even if it's hard. Even if from the outside people will go, man, look, they're, they're serving God, and yet look how, the, look how they struggle. Look, look how this ain't working out for them. And you know what we got to do? We just got to wait on the Lord and be of good courage and fulfill His will. And down the road, He will then return that good onto us. He will then fulfill that promise for us. That God has a will for us. He, will, he does. I'm not saying that one day gold's going to fall out of the sky. But one day that will of God that you're searching for, that you're seeking, if you'll just be faithful to God, He'll lead you right into it. And one day you'll wake up and realize, I'm in the will of God. God is doing things with my life I never thought I'd see done. 
God is saving my children. God is blessing my marriage. God is blessing our church. And, and how did this happen? And you'll realize it's nothing I did. All we did is just wait on God and stay with God. And, and that season of plenty came. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.